Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Grand National Day, Saturday at Entry Preview. Uh, I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two guests, as ever, as we did for Thursday and for Friday and for most of these shows uh, over the course of the year. Odds Checker's tipster Andy Holding uh, joins me today. And replacing Roy Delaghi from the first couple of episodes, we have uh, Johnny Ward joining us again, who's been a regular in recent weeks as well. And, and we've heard enough from Andy over the last couple of days, uh, Johnny, on, on what he makes of entry and the rest of it. So I wanted to ask you, are you a big fan of the Grand National? Uh, a few good memories on course? Uh, any big winners uh, in the big race of the day? I have, a, I have a terrible record in the, in the Grand National. Um, so <laughs> let's get that out of the way. So glad we booked you. Yeah, let's get that out of the way, George. <laughs> Although I think um, I think the race has changed a lot. If I'm going back to so when Bobby Joe won the the race in 1999, he was owned basically uh, in the town I'm from, and um, they brought the horse to my school. And I remember like mumbling some nonsense about animal rights, and I had absolutely no interest in racing whatsoever. And like they put a statue of Bobby Joe up in the town. That drunken people can uh, get up on after a night out or whatever. But massive, massive change from from there to now. Where um, I went to college and I was really bored, so I started going to the bookies out of boredom. Fell in love with racing, and um, but I'm still not sure I've actually backed the winner of the national. I think my favorite memory in the race is probably rule the world in 2016 because mm. um, I think Mouse Mars is just a great, great character. Um, and agrees. Well, yeah, and um, it made him going into the race, David Mullins. Uh, I, I really liked Mouse winning the national. I think it was a very emotional day for him, and um, because he had lost his son in the recent past as well. And uh, I'm actually friendly with his other son as well. They're a great family, so I think that's my favorite memory. But uh, I've come a long way since Bobby Joe. Andy, favorite? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, given your reaction there, that you agree. Uh, what's your favorite Grand National memory? Uh, any any big winners? Yeah, he, he'd be right up there with them, just from a, uh, a tipping personal monetary sort of uh, perspective. You know, when you back a win of a national, it's always sweet, even sweeter nowadays when, you you know, you, you, people are looking at your selections and, um, you know, you've got a few people following you in. And, of course, he was a 50 to one shot in the morning of the race. So that's always going to be, um, you know, a highlight. Um, number six, Valverde, really started the ball rolling for me with, with guards analyzing it thoroughly and, and and having a real sort of feel for the race and what kind of horse tends to do well over the annals of time um and obviously you know manila times fitted that a lot of the criteria you look for um last year uh, but i mean from, from a pure memory perspective and how i got involved in the sport really or the love of it, it you know it harks all the way back to you know red rum i know a lot of people churn that out uh, in, a, in a sort of time on a, on a tradition but it, it was genuinely when I started uh, being involved or looking at racing on, on TV and I was I was five at the time when Red Run won his first national I can remember it distinctly because my dad was a massive fan of the game and always used to have it on TV and loves his bets at the weekend and um, yeah the Grand National was just the race that always you know got me got me excited I used to keep little scrapbooks uh, each year, I used to do my little colour chart like um, Peter O'Sullivan used to do, write the colours down and where they finished. And I used to get photos out of the news of the world as it was then and stick them in as wow. well. With a... So I was very, very like uh, 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 anarchy at that stage. Um, so, yeah, I, I used to love it for what it was without betting. Sounds like uh, you and Johnny wouldn't have got on when you were both five. <laughs> no, no, no. So it, it got me from a very, very early stage. Like I say, I was about five or six when I was uh, watching, um, you know, all the old footage and 
um, what's watching the, the, the races um, back in the heyday when the fences were proper fences. But it's still a great race, still a great thrill. And, um, you know, to try and find the winner, it's, uh, it uh, doesn't get any easier. I think on that point as well, it's I generally find uh, I think the animal rights lobby and the insecurity of British racing in terms of the animal rights lobby is just it's just plain wrong at times. But in terms of the national, I actually do agree with the changes they've made. I think it was just too much. Um, and I think the there was what what was the year where there were I think there were a couple of fatalities and they changed it. But it's yeah. one thing. Yeah, I think they, I think they've done well. It's become. Like the days of Bobby Joe, like he didn't he race from out of the handicap completely from another era. He wouldn't get anywhere near the race nowadays. And uh, interesting to hear Mark Russell say as well that even number six Valverde, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, said he would never hope in the race nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I think still a few connections, hoping that their horses see in uh, even in this stage recording this at just past midday on Thursday. Um, all these markets are pretty new. We're going to get into the previews now, um, just reforming at this stage. So as is always the case with these, when we're kind of doing it after 48 hour final decks, um, apologies if some of the prices are out of date. Um, I know certainly a few of those that Andy and Rory tipped up yesterday went pretty quickly as well. So try and be quick off the mark. But if you are watching or listening to this, it's not going to be before racing on Thursday, but before racing on Friday, do go and check out our preview there. You can find it on the Odds Checker YouTube channel and also on any podcast platform as well. Do download the Odds Checker app now before we get into the racing and then you can follow along with us uh, in terms of the best prices on offer bookie um, offers free bets and we'll be talking a lot about place terms as well because often uh, a few firms sticking their neck out uh, above the others in order to try and give you uh, the best terms possible for these races as well uh, we'll kick off with the 145 the opener at entry um, the EFT construction handicap hurdle over an extended three miles and we've got winter fog and serious charges the 15 to 2 joint favorites Beauport 17 to 2 Mill Green and Third Wind, both nine to one. Uh, Saint Deru and Remastered, ten to one. Don Levant and Geoffroy, twelve to one. A good bit of French accent. That is there. impressive, uh, Joe. Thank you very much. I've um, literally just come back from France, and it feels like I'm back there already. I mean, yeah, A Star GCSE, and I get sometimes get mocked for my pronunciation with these horses. So glad to hear you say that, Johnny. Uh, merci beaucoup. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll look. Um, at the top of the market, Andy, and Winter Fog was a horse that, that you put up um, for at, at the Cheltenham Festival. Would it be fair to say, you mean, jumping the last, look the likely winner, I would say. Um, but is this something of an afterthought, an afterthought and, and putting you off, uh, kind of dipping in again uh, here? Um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the, the Pertemps obviously, or Cheltenham in particular, was always uh, on the radar for, for, for Paul Burney's owner. Um, mm. You know, the prestige of winning the Cheltenham Festival race obviously burns brightly with him, obviously with the shunts of the previous year. So that was always going to be the plan. Um, whether they'd always got it in the back of their mind to come here, whatever happened, I don't know. Let's say, for instance, if he would have won the per attempts, would he come here? I'd, you'd have to ask Paul that. Um, or, you know, he might, he might have been easily safe for Punchestown. There's plenty of races there for him to choose from. I think there's always the big dilemma with this horse is do you run in the two and a half or do you roll the dice again with the three, three mile race? They, they took a punt. With the per attempts, he could have run in the Coral Cup. Um, and to, to by and large, I think his decision was probably confirmed or it, it was the right decision because, albeit you know, he didn't win, he still ran a, a very good race. Um, to my eye, he stayed perfectly well enough. I mean, he didn't charge up the hill like Third Wind did, uh, for instance, but um, he didn't exactly fall into a hole. And so, so on that basis, the, the flatter, easier, more speedier track should really suit a horse who has got a very good cruising speed like Winter Fog. Um, he was ridden to get the trip at Cheltenham and 
I'd say it, it, it pretty much um, you know came off. One thing I will say about the Pertems final, just from a pure time perspective, and I, I talk about this probably seemingly year in year out. It seems like a broken record, but the Pertems always seems to come out a better race than the tri- than the stage hurdle. That's probably indi- yeah. It, I think that's indicative, Johnny, of the fact that we haven't really got a great crop of staying hurdlers, mm. and, the, and the fact that Florian Porter, with the greatest respect to him, has has come from the handicap routes to routes to to uh, establish himself as the as the the number one dog in in that division. And, and I think it's poor, probably more of a detriment to the others rather than a, a positive in his um, camp. He can only beat basically what's there in front, for, there in front of him. But the overall time is quicker in the per attempts. Furlong per furlong from the start, and then if you put the two races up on a split screen, set the, the the video rolling from the first hurdle in front of the stands all the way to the line, the the per temps was better. So that suggests that the likes of Third Wind, Mill Green, Winter Fog, and to a smaller degree, if the cap fits, are the four horses to concentrate on based on the numbers that they produced in the per temps. Obviously, this is a different set of circumstances, a flatter track, it's a sharper track. There's going to be less room. Rooms at a premium. Um, so it's which one of those four horses adapts to this track um, the, the most um, of the four I'd probably suggest that Winter Fog out of those four might have the better tactical all-round game um, but that would just be a little bit of element of guesswork involved in that and in, in, intuition if you like um, so I think I think that form is going to be well represented basically what I'm saying um, and the other one I want to throw into the mix as well away from the per temps, but it still brings Cheltenham form into the party. Gotta be a nice way you're thinking. It is um, that is the party business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who ran an extraordinary race in in the boys' race behind Banbridge? You'd have to go back and watch what happened uh, at the second hurdle to get a, a, an idea of just what um, how unlucky he was. There was a horse that fell directly in front of his path, and he literally ran into him, brought him to a virtual standstill, and um, from that point onwards, his, his race was run. But how he managed to pick himself up and finish fifth was real testimony to his his ability. Uh, and don't forget, he ran a really good race. In, in the, it was running a good race in the Challow Hurdle until he he fell as well. So they thought he was Grade One material um, back in uh, January. And he gets in here off 132 with his mark on 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 a on impeach. So I I, I think he's definitely in the fly in the ointment. Um, people will look at his form figures and think, oh yeah, he's, he hasn't got a squeak, but. As I said, I think his Cheltenham run was a good bit better. He's going to be around 14, 16 to 1. So I'll probably like muck around with those out of that per temps race. I probably might play, you know, Winter Fog, Stroke, Mill Green or whatever. But I'm definitely going to be having a fear grid on party business as well. Party business currently 14 to 1. Only William Hill out as it stands at the moment. So that price could be subject to a bit of movement, uh, maybe both ways. Who knows when, when the rest of the firms do come out later on today. Johnny, that knowing look and a bit of a groan there suggested that maybe you're going to put up party business too. No, he's, he, he and I like the way you're thinking. They're very similarly matched on that one at Cheltenham. And, and maybe he was a little bit more a little bit more unfortunate, a little bit less fortunate in terms of the, the way the race panned out with that early hamper. Um, but I think, funny enough, I like the way you're thinking has never actually run over three miles over hurdles, which is kind of mad to me because I think it will suit him and he has a chance. But... Um, he mentioned, and he mentioned Paul Byrne. I'm actually friendly with Paul Byrne. And I'm just looking back at our messages um, after the horse ran uh, at Cheltenham. And he said, basically, uh, Townend said, said wouldn't come back and trip. Because I, I like Andy, I'm kind of 
a little bit suspicious as to whether this horse is a real out now three miler. Um, but at the same time, the way he travels and the fact of the entry, I think he's a knocking each way about at 15 to 2. Like he really, really traveled well. They've retained the hold on him. He's still relatively a, a blank canvas for the trainer at three miles. You know, Emma Mullins an outstandingly good trainer. Um, I think he uses Willie Mullins gallops. Um, so I think he's a lot of positives. The handicap was more or less left him unchanged. I think he's, what is he, up a pound. And I think the flapper track will definitely help him. Uh, the big field should have no problem traveling into the race. Um, I think he's a great each way chance. Lovely. Winter Fog uh, getting a positive mention from both Johnny and Andy there at 15-2. to uh, Hills, the firm that are out, are currently fifth to five places as well. So keep an eye out on those place terms as well. Uh, we'll stick with you, Johnny, for the Mersey uh, Novice Hurdle. Um, over two and a half miles, three-stripe life is 15-2, to two, ahead of walking on air at 7-2. to two. Good risk at all, 7-1. to one. LA Bell, 17-2 uh, with Colonel <laughs> Mustard. Uh, stage star and North Lodge, 10-1 to one as well. How do you see this? Yeah, um, this was a race that um, John Bond could have gone in, um, and obviously mm. it's, it's 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 opened it up a bit. I, we we had Gordon Elliott on our racing TV podcast this week. He's very sweet on Tree Strike Life. I didn't think he did anything wrong really at all behind Sir Gerhard. I think Sir Gerhard, in fairness, is a very good horse. He's not running here. Um, he's a little bit unoriginal. Whether I back him at five to two or not, I'm not sure. Walking on air is a very interesting prospect. Um, the, the interesting one in the race for me uh, is Colonel Munster because I'm. He's, he's a Mac free horse, and to me, he doesn't really look like he's crying out for this trip. But they are stepping him up in trip, probably to see how he goes. They've a hold on for the first time, ran really well behind, obviously, a thrown-in horse in Stateland, which, by the way, just got me thinking very briefly how the, if they keep expanding Cheltenham, it'll become less fun because it'll just make Willie Mullins um, spread his horses out even more so, like where he can mm. run Stateland in a handicap. But that's by the by. Because I, I, anyway, I'm not sure about Colonel Mustard stepping up in trip. For me, he looks an out-and-out two-miler, but... Uh, Tends to vote for three strike live at the price. I think he's going to be there about the very worst. He's a lovely, lovely way of going by leading light and finds plenty for pressure. And uh, he should be thereabouts. Three strike live, five to two, best price at the moment with Skybet, Boyles, and 888. Hills open up two to one. Uh, so ducking him a bit there. Uh, Andy, three strike live for, for Johnny. Um, how do you see? You know, you're a, you're a novice hurdle man, but I guess when it gets to this stage, there are less clues in the time figures because, you know, everything's kind of been laid out at this stage of the season. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I'm a fully paid a member of the Three Strike Life fan club. Um, I think I put him up every single time that he's run this season, other than when he won first time out. But I was with him. I was with him big time uh, against Sir Gerard at uh, Leopardstown. Um, I mean, he was an each way price that day, so I was quite safe in in, in thinking he, he, at the very worst he'd finish second or third. Um, and then I went with him. Went with him again at. Cheltenham again from an each way perspective. I thought he was like seven or eight to one in the morning. That he's almost whatever, wherever Segarod finishes, he'll be bang there, and that's exactly what he did again. So he does represent two very strong form lines. His numbers are good. He 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 goes through a race very generously. He doesn't do anything daft. He doesn't pull hard. He just gives himself every chance. He we know he stays the trip. Um, but this time he's like. Tight enough price. He's the kind of horse I'm, I'm always looking to play each way when he's underdog rather than piling mm. now at five to two. And, and you know, whichever way you strip it down, he did have a hard race at Charlton on, 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 of course, really bad heavy ground. So there are other players in this race now um, that miss Cheltenham that might just um, give him a, th- a thing or two to think about. And, and the, one of the main ones is good risk at all. I think it's quite significant that Sam Thomas has decided to duck all of the handicaps that he's entered for at Aintree. He put him in the three-mile race. 
the two and a half mile race. And he's decided off a mark of 137 to blow that potentially out of the water and run him straight into grade one company. Uh, you know, and Sam Thomas is no mug, um, as he's proved in the last two or three seasons. Um, and I thought this horse improved markedly last time out for a, a more sterner examination um, than what he previously got. I mean, he should have won a Warwick time before. Um, but, you know, he just got done for a little bit of tactical toe around that track um, over two miles behind Barrett Kello. And of course, he ran beyond John Bond again in a crawl the time before. But he's been, he's been looking for a proper test of stamina, and he got it at Ascot, and he literally never came off the bridle. He's mm. much better than a one thirty seven horse, um, and I think this test could could suit him. I think the more rain, the better. If they, if they do get continued shade <coughs> between now and Saturday, and it makes it quite testing, then um, the, the the better his chance because um, it'll slow the others down as well. So I think he's probably one I'm looking at. I do like Colonel Mustard as well. I backed him in the county. He ran a, a very good race in, in a good time figure behind State, man. Again, like Johnny, I don't know whether he'll stay the trip or not, but if he does, he's a player. Um, and I think this, the Skeletons have had this race on, on their mind for Estee Bell, uh, LA, LA Bell for, for quite a while now as well. So it's a really, really intriguing race. Loads of possible angles you could come at it with. The price just puts me off three-stripe life. Nothing more, nothing less. So I'd probably go good risk at all each way in the hope that he makes that um, expected jump up to grade one company. He's a half-brother to Earl of the Cotswolds, actually, which is quite interesting. Lovely pedigree, that horse. And he stays really well. He's a very good horse on the all-weather over two miles. Mm. So there shouldn't be any problems, obviously, stamina-wise with him. Good risk at all, seven to one, best price at the moment. A couple of firms already going four places there as well, a fifth to four. Uh, Johnny, before we move on, just because we spoke to Andy and uh, Rory about this yesterday, when back in three stripe life at five to two, are you concerned by Gordon's form coming into Aintree, not only at Cheltenham but since as well? Or is the thinking maybe, given how well three stripe life, you know, went at Cheltenham in a period where Gordon's horses weren't running too well, there should there could be more improvement to come. It wouldn't really worry me. I mean, he was disappointed with Cheltenham. I think he's seven seconds for me. I mean, the, the horrible memory of Cheltenham was was basically Jinto, and um, who I think would have won. That would have yeah. been two runners for him if he won, obviously. Yeah. And the, the, the concern is more of what Andy said there, like time and time again, I find entry a festival that you just have to treat with caution because horses are generally not trained for Cheltenham, for entry, they're trained for Cheltenham. And this then comes uh, like bunches down as a kind of a the tail end of the season where a lot of them are basically OTT and they'll disappoint. So that would be a small concern, but the the, the, the yard form wouldn't bother me. And um, I, I think he's, he's eight in the national light. I'm not going to tip one of his horses, but I, I would be no surprise at all. I just think the narrative of Gordon winning the national, it's almost written in the stars this year. Written in the stars. We'll see. Yeah, five to two, the one for Johnny. Although not, you know, just a uh, positive words rather than a selection. Good risk at all. Seven to one. The one for Andy. Uh, on into the three o'clock and uh, over two miles, we have the return of Edward Stone uh, after such an impressive win at the festival. Eight to 11, Edward Stone is ahead of Gentleman to me at three to one. Third time lucky, five to one. Amarillo Sky, 16s, uh, 25 to 1, McPasta, um, for pleasure, 66s and Fugitive, 100 to 1. And uh, not the best looking uh, betting heat this, Andy, is it, with seven runners and uh, and, an, and an 8 to 11 uh, favourite here. Um, can you can you find any value for us? I don't know whether we book, bookies will be happy or, or cursing with uh, so many seven-runner races. Amazing how the grade ones always seem to have seven yeah, runners. Quite incredible. But, but there will be a few firms that will stick their head above the parapet and offer three places, no doubt about that, such as the way the uh, these firms operate nowadays to get your business. Look, the one thing about this race is it's going to be strongly run. We know that. We've got 
signed on pace with for pleasure and, and uh, Willie Mullins' horse, gentleman to me. I mean, Johnny will know him quite well. Uh, a trailblazer in his early days over hurdles. Um, and I think he actually missed the start, didn't he, at the Punchestown Festival? And he, he was miles behind and then he, he sort of caught the field up gradually because they, they could hardly hold him. Um, and he's been really good over fences so far. He taxes obstacles and um, he's, he's clocked a couple of really good night t- times in making all the running. Um, he's very difficult to assess because he hasn't probably beat anything in doing those times. Uh, and he hasn't faced a, an Edward Stone. Uh, so let, let, let's kind of like see how he gets on. Um, but ultimately, I think I think the bet here at the prices, if, if I'm right in thinking, are we, are we looking around about, what, four to one for third time lucky? Something in around that pro- Five to one best price. Five to one. Yeah, yeah that, I think this this could be his, his, his time to shine, third time lucky. Um, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's good as Edward Stone, which kind of like contradicts partly what I, why I'm, I'm tipping against the, uh, Edward Stone. But I just think if he gets good ground and a strongly run race, and in, more in particular, this kind of speedy track and the fact that he's fresher than Edward Stone, I think this is the only circumstances that he'll ever have a chance of beating Edward Stone and might. You know, he's had a lot of races so far this season. And there's a point where the elastic band snaps. Um, I think it's I think it's a wise move from the skeletons to, to have a crack at this race and rather not go to Cheltenham because I think I'm not necessarily sure that Cheltenham suits third time lucky, even though he's won there. Uh, but he was very good the day when he beat uh, Do Your Job at Doncaster on a flat, on a flat track on good ground. And um, you know, there was nothing wrong with his run last time out against Edward Stone at Warwick. It's not as though he's got to find an absolute packet. Mm. And, um, you know, looking at the forecast, the, the, the ground might be quite favourable for him on come Saturday. But either way, at five to one, I think he could be a bet each way if some firms go three places or or even without the favourite because he'll be mm. second favourite in the without the favourite market. Because I think, gentleman to me, he's got to, he'll, he'll do one of the things. He'll either go off in front win or he'll bomb out completely. I don't think there's any anything in between with him. And I think third time luck will be ridden just with a view of striking late. So he's the bet for me at the prices. Third time lucky, five to one best price, as we said, uh, the one there for Andy. No market yet on uh, without without Edward Stone, but that was sure to open up in the in the coming hours. Um, Johnny, anything you can find for us here? I, I can't I can't look away from Edward Stone, you know, and it was obviously Alan King was ending his famine at the festival. Um, but this horse to come back again, just looking here, he's won this is his seventh run since the early November. So it's it's great to see a horse so so aggressively campaigned. I mean, I think some trainers, I don't know where they get their training manuals from. They run horses like 20, 25 times a season and they're impossible mm. to predict. But this horse just keeps responding. And for me, I didn't think the Irish two-mile horses were great this year. And it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise for me that we didn't win the Arkell. But it, to me, it's a bit significant that Gentleman and me didn't go to Cheltenham because, I mean... He was obviously behind uh, Autumn Kaler at Leopardstown. Now, he, he he won't be ridden like he was ridden that day. He's better than that, and he's shown that since. But for me, he could have been part of that um, Cheltenham team, and maybe it's significant he wasn't, because I don't think Willie had a particularly strong um, team in, without Fernie Hollow on the arc, and he obviously didn't win the race. And whilst I don't think it was a great renewal of the article, I mean, Gavin Ackle finishing second is probably telling enough. He was supplemented yeah. that he wasn't expected to even run the race. I, I think that, like, Edward Stone, for me, he's rock solid. This will be run at a good gallop. It will suit third time lucky, um, who could easily finish second. But I don't really see how he reverses the form. Edward Stone, for me, considering, obviously, he was he was extremely fortunate not to be brought down in the article. But when you consider the way he won the race after that, I mean, that, that kind of helped, helped him in terms of his 
you know, mental strength in the middle of a race to, to avoid a faller like that. And he just, he's so uncomplicated. And for me, I wouldn't want to lay 8 to 11. I don't see any holes in this horse at all. 8 to 11, best price currently with Boyles for Edwardstone, sure to be popular come Saturday afternoon uh, at three o'clock. Uh, on to the fourth race of the day. Uh, and we have the Liverpool hurdle, um, which is sees Florian Porter, of course, the winner of the Stales, the dual winner of the Stales at Cheltenham, uh, returning to the track at seven to four ahead of Time Hill at eleven to four, Champ seven to two, Cider Burley ten to one, Ashdale Bob eleven to one, Thomas Darby eighteens, Kashari twenty fives, Molly Zolly's wishes twenty fives, uh, and then Roy Mage hundred to one. Um, we, we spoke just there about the, the poor quality, Johnny, of the, of the Stairs division at the moment um but for importance certainly couldn't have done it more impressively uh from the front at cheltenham he couldn't it was grave rides um i don't think danny mullins used a whip on him once he you know ruby walsh uh, spoke volumes and really well about his usage of the reins after the last hurdle when you know he's not a, an entirely straightforward horse but he won with plenty in hand and he has spoken really eloquently there about the the time of the race was obviously a uh, pretty muddling gallop he got a completely soft lead I don't think he's going to get that here I think Ashdale Bob will probably uh, want to lead as well or at the very least take him on that's not to say Florian Porter absolutely needs to lead but for me he was very much trained for Cheltenham he, we, we saw obviously that he bombed at Punchestown now he probably had excuses when he bombed at Punchestown and he's better going this this way but for me he, he was trained probably to the minute for Cheltenham um, and if he is taken on you imagine that would suit Time Hill and particularly Champ I was a perplexed by Nicky Henderson's comments saying that he wanted a flat track afterwards. I, I'm not sure that's the case at all. But I just have a small concern that Florian Porter will find it hard to back up his Cheltenham run. And for me, um, he may be taken on up front. For me, this is, has the makings of a bit of a no-bet race. So hopefully Andy can furnish uh, you with a better opinion than me. <laughs> Go on, Andy. Uh, yeah, I'll do my best. Look, yeah, I ended up putting up Florian Porter um, in, in the Styles hurdle. The more I looked at it, I just thought, I'm staring the obvious in the face here because, like I say, I just, I just don't like the division. I haven't all season, and without you know bringing his name up again, I, I, I was a big fan of Buzz. Hopefully, going in there and spoiling the party, but once he dropped out, it, it became plainly obvious to me that if Florian Porter turns up in the form that he did the previous year, he'd win again, and it's exactly what he did. But he did get the race literally handed it to him on a plate, as Johnny's already um, alluded to. That the figures tell you that. So a lot depends on you know does he get his Collar felt in the early part of the race by Ashdale Bob, who obviously goes from the front as well. I think the first part of the race is going to be significant. But either way, which we sh- you strip it down, the stats very much point to horses um, coming into this race that have run well at Cheltenham, but not necessarily won the stairs hurdle, but have had Aintree form in the bag. I think the stats are 14 of the last 17 winners of this race have run at Aintree before or run at the Aintree Festival before. So there is a bit of a pattern developing here. The same kind of horse tends to, to rock up here and, and, and win it again or run well again. And, and that very much leads you down the path of Tyne Hill, who, of course, beat Roxari in a stirring finish in this race last year. Second to Florian Porter, of course, in the stairs, so he hasn't got massive amount to find. And if this race is slightly different run and a tracker that he likes and prefers, then... Um, there's every chance that he might just turn around the form. Either way, if, you, if you're a, 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 like a multiple each-way um, sort of um, exotic player and you're looking for some each-way doubles and trebles, Andy yeah, exactly, band, yeah, and each-way. And you, and you can get sort of three to one or in and around that price for Time Hill. You'd basically stick this horse in every single le- leg that you could as a banker. 
because barring miracles, he's not going to finish out the first three. I, th- I think I think nine times few, out few of ten going four as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think nine times out of ten, Time Hill had always won his race. Where you couldn't say that about all the others, including Florian Porter, because you know he's fallen and pulled up. So he's just missed the reliability, and on that, on that basis, I'd sooner get with him from an each way uh, multiple spe- perspective. Time Hill, 11 of four, best price at the moment. As I said, uh, Skybet currently going four places, short of the others following suit at 11 to four, one for the year. Uh, there's really popular each way uh, multis that I'm sure will keep your accounts open for as long as possible. Um, on then to the heat, their 415, uh, the Betway, the Betway handicap chase. Uh, and Chamblou uh, turns up after his run in the Ryanair at Cheltenham. Uh, disappointing run. Uh, but his five to two favourite to put that right in handicap company here. Oscar Elite, seven to one. Captain Nord seventeen to two, T Clipper nine to one, Commodore uh, fourteen to one, Killer Kane fourteen to one, Esparta Rome top weight sixteen to one, uh, twenty to one. Bar those eighteen runners here, Andy, uh, in the 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 race ahead of the the big one of the day. Yeah, I, I think this represents probably the poorest value of the whole day. Um, Sean Blue at sort of nine to four, five to two. Uh, I think he's a ridiculously short price. Um, yeah, obviously he would have won the first time at the Charlie Hall when he was tanking. It probably wasn't vintage Charlie Hall. Um, and because of that, uh, you know, he was off for quite a while and, and Connections decided to keep him fresh and and, and, and have a crack at Hallahoe. That obviously turned out to be a bit of a wasted project in the end. He was really disappointed. He weakened out quite timely, actually. He's, he's normally a strong enough tra- traveller to last a little bit longer than he did. And that just kind of like raises the alarm bells with me, with him. Um, he didn't stay here last year beyond Chant- Tranchy Hill in a, in a small field um, over the same course and distance. I'm not absolutely sure that you know he's he's a genuine three miler, um, and uh, you know this is going to take some game. You know they're going to go a good gallop here, um, and in a in a big field scenario when you've got a lot of strong stayers and confirmed handicappers that know what they're doing and know how to conduct themselves in races of this nature, he just wouldn't be for me. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably look elsewhere. I, I think Commodore's an interesting runner. Um, I noticed he was entered up in all the handicaps at the festival, including the Kim Muir, the Ultima. Uh, and he was also, he's also entered in the National. I think, he's, I think he's second or third reserve, but he's not going to get in. He was also in the, in the, in the Topham as well. I thought that would, might be the kind of race for him because the day when he won at Cheltenham, we haven't seen him since. He was absolutely magnificent that day. He mm. put in a jumping clinic, didn't he, when he beat uh, Mr. Fogpatches and, and, and a field that, um, you know, contained a lot of inform and, and good solid handicappers around Cheltenham. So I've been waiting for him to run since. So he's obviously best fresh, and, and connections have decided to throw their, 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 their cap in the ring at the one race that suits. So if they're not going to go into the national, they probably thought, well, this is going to be the second best. But this track should really suit Commodore off in front, bobbing away, you know, putting the other horses under pressure with his jumping. That's just the kind of scene that he likes. So 14 to 1 for him. I'd sooner have, have, a, have a dart at something like him than I would Chamblou at 9 to 4. Commodore 14 to 1, uh, currently with Skybet, who are six places, and Coral, who are five places, a short with 8 to 1 elsewhere there for Andy's selection. Uh, Johnny, how do you see this? Yeah, I think Chamblou is going to go off um, a bigger price than, than he is now, anyway. I'd agree with Andy, he's too short. This race is very tough for me. Um, Oscar Lead is interesting. He ran very well at Cheltenham. He's actually a maiden over fences. And when he fell at Cheltenham in the November meeting, 
that they they reckon that affects his confidence. So that might be why he's ridden wide in his race because the horse actually doesn't definitely doesn't need better ground necessarily. He's obviously second to Vanilla as well um, at the festival last year. So he's solid. He's he's gone up two pounds, which is nothing really. He did bleed um, at at Cheltenham. I'm not sure if that was, were an internal thing or was it just uh, something that he hit his nose. But he ran his race anyway, and he looked solid enough each way for me. But I, I, it's not a race I'd be getting involved in heavily. That's really positive mention there from Johnny at seven to one. Uh, after after a no bet race in the last a race, not too keen on here, and you've told us you've got a terrible record in the Grand National. I'm hoping you got something for us in the bumper. <laughs> I, I, I think I do actually, yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully you worked the ways. Uh, let's get into the big one then. Uh, it is, of course, the Grand National. Uh, we'll be jumping at five fifteen. Uh, the Randox Grand National on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the way we're going to do this, I'm going to go to, to Andy first for his headline selection, come to Johnny for his top pick, and then uh, I'll let the guys go through a couple of others because, uh, yeah, I, I don't think many people watching or listening to this will just have one dart in the national. And I guess if you have your, your office sweepstakes and the rest of it, you might want to hear a couple of others that could be uh, value at bigger prices as well. I'll just run through the top end of the market, just the first kind of seven or eight. Uh, Snow Leopard S is just about favourite at 17 to 2 ahead of any second now at 9 to 1 Delta Work 9 to 1, Ascaria 10 12 to 1, Manila Times Enjoy, Dalen and Eclair Surf both all 14 to 1 Fiddler on the Roof 16 to 1 uh, Longhouse Poet 18 to 1, 22 to 1 Bar, come on Andy give us the winner of the National Well my, my sort of main bullet points for this race which have um, um, you know been fa- fairly steadfastly stuck in my mind since uh, you know the days of number six Valverde going forward are the Thiestes, the Irish National, and the the old Hennessy at Newbury. Those are the three races that, by and large, throw at horses that traditionally do well in the National, just because of the nature of them. Big fields, I think strongly run races. Here, Andy. Sorry, sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Worryingly, we're going to agree on this, which is worrying for you. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> First and foremost, the two out of the race last year were my starting point. Run, run Wild Fred and, 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 and Joy Dallin, who finished um, second and third respectively. My first actual bet for the National this year was Run Wild Fred at 50-1 to 1, uh, way back in um, October. But I was horrified to see the sort of campaign that he's ended up having. As soon as he won the Troitan, I thought, oh, well, that's my project out the window. Um, they then ran him in grade ones. They then ran him in the National Hunt Chase. And I was thinking, there's no way they'll run him in the National. He's now 158, but at least he's still a runner. So my docket is still alive, but I, I just feel as though that it's not and the kind of, the price as well. Yeah, it's not kind of the the, the profile or the or the the route that I would expected him to go down. He's not, you know, they haven't done the, you know, trying to hide him under a bushel like, you know, the likes of number six Valverde, keep the handicap down, run him over hurdles. That that kind of preparation is usually the way you you find your national winner. But to be fair to Andrew Dallin, he's he's done the. <laughs> He's gone down the traditional route. He ran well in the Paddy Power Chase, similar to Manella Times, uh, and then you know they, they've 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 kind of like hidden him, hidden him ever since. Um, I think he ran. I think he ran over hurdles. I'm just refreshing my memory. Did he run over hurdles the last day? Yeah, he did. He ran very on good jo- good time, Johnny. Uh, of course, at Leopardstown, I've just started to refresh yeah. my memory there. So he's kind of like still on very much on my radar. And I was asked to put three horses up in a piece for Odds Checker the other day, and, then, and he was. He had to go in there under all the criteria that I, I look for, and then the other two right, the other two horses have kind of gate crashed the party and come in there this season because of their good runs in 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 the respective races I mentioned. 
Mathias, winner, longhouse poet, has to go on the shortlist because of his victory that day. His time figure that day was exceptionally good. The way that the race has worked out subsequently, you've had the likes of Death Duty, Dilcare, Franco de Port, uh, Mr. Fog Passes have all boosted the form subsequently. And then he ran over hurdles next time out, another tactic which Martin Brazel used mm. with uh, number six Valverde. And then we've got Fiddler on the Roof, who was a, a cracking second in the, uh, the old Hennessy. Uh, behind um, the thing of Venetia Williams is, of course, a bit of a, uh, a shock, uh, Cloudy Glen. But I thought that was a, a really good effort. He jumped, he travelled, he stayed on very strongly after the last. He got hampered as well when Remaster fell at the fourth last. You could argue without that hampering, he might have won. Um, but he seems to have had, have had his year targeted and geared all the way around, the way around Aintree. He hasn't run since. He, he, he just got narrowly beat at Ascot. So all these horses I mentioned, apart from Runwell Fred, are coming in fresh, coming on off the back of good runs last time out, whether it's over hurdles or over fences, and they've all got the ideal profile that I look for for a national winner. So my pecking order would be uh, Fiddler on the Roof. It could do with a little bit more rain for Longo's poet, arguably, but he's definitely um, he's definitely up there in, in the top two or three. Enjoy Dallin, and I'll, I'll chuck in Runwell Fred as my one, two, three, four. I love how I've asked Andy there for a headline pick, and he's given me four. Uh, never change, Andy. Uh, how do you follow that, Johnny? Hashtag never change. Uh, I don't think I'll give you four. It'd be absolutely insulting if I were to give you four horses, considering I don't think I've ever actually matched that. <laughs> so, That's um, the way to do it. Give, a, give us the field. Yeah. Um, you know, Gordon Eddie has eight runners. I just think, uh, you know, if you're talking about writing a script here, um, considering what Rachel Blackmore did for racing last year in terms of the positive imagery that it needed at a time subsequent to the Gordon Elliott uh, saga and Gordon to come back and um, what we what what reception would he get in Aintree will be very interesting because um I know he loves Cheltenham I know he loves Aintree he trained the winner of this race before he had a winner in Ireland which is absolutely mad when you think about it nobody would have mm-hmm. heard of him and um, when Silver Birch won the national and um, so I think he, he's I spoke to him as I mentioned on, our, on the podcast he seemed to be pretty bullish about um, his horses in general and um, including Run Wild Fred um, who I think he was, he's quite sweet on and obviously Farkla there was a bit of a doubt um, as to who would ride Farkla and I'm just looking I presume it is David Russell he's a non-runner he's a non-runner he's come out yeah. ah, there we go so Jack Kennedy rides Delta Work who for me obviously he could be rejuvenated he said he's done very little with him since Cheltenham he's the class angle in the race um, but for me I like Longhouse Poet Um Interesting, Andy says about the ground. This horse beat Bunkfish in a bumper on good yielding. His trainer was interviewing the racing horse this week and he said that he thought he sort of did want heavy ground. But he said it wasn't that bad at Bourne, which it wasn't, and he travelled very well. He did run disappointingly over hurdles since. I'm kind of willing to forgive him that. Um, I think that the key to this horse is he's going to stay all day. He's totally unexposed at the trip. Obviously, you want a horse, ideally, that is, um, you know, doesn't have stamina doubts. But for me, I wouldn't have any concerns about him on that score, even though he hasn't gone further than three and a bit. Um, he's going to be handy as well. He'll stay out of trouble. Um, I think he ticks a lot of boxes. Darrell Keefe, an excellent rider, 16, 18 to 1. Um, I think he's very, very solid. Uh, I could see Delta work running well despite his weight. I thought he looked a bit of a rejuvenated character in beating Tiger Roll. And in fairness, they were miles there at the third, even in a race of that nature. Um, and they'd be sort of my main two in the race. And Joy Dallin, I think, is very, very solid as well. Um, and... Yeah, I guess uh, I guess it could be Martin Brassel again. You'd have to give a mention to Claire Surf as well. In fact, I've got this horse in off 10-6, and that form working out so well, obviously, will win my wings. He's, he, he should take plenty of boxes. He's a very straightforward horse, obviously, second in the either. 
Um, but it's, yeah, Longhouse Sports for me. So I'm giving you three, so it's not too bad. Longhouse Poet, the main one, uh, and that is a, a selection from both Johnny and for Andy as well. Um, best price is 18 to 1 as it stands. That's with 888 Sport. Um, and Eclair Surf is 14 to 1. Best price in Delta Work, 9 to 1 as well. I was walking down the high street near where, where I live today, and the amount of bookies who've got in their windows, we are paying five places in the national well go on odds checker and you'll see that that's nothing to shout about plenty of firms already playing uh paying seven or six places in the national so do check the place terms out there because sometimes um you know even if you're taking a slightly shorter price in races like this um nabbing the extra places can be a good way to go absolutely love the fact that i we spoke before the podcast about how we were going to do the national i said it on air and then we've just done it completely the normal way with both of you guys putting your selections in uh, as we go so last time we try and do anything different on the odds checker betting show but um superb insight as ever uh on then to the bumper unless is, is there anyone else that you want to you want to kind of put a good word up for at a massive price uh well gordon says that uh he's never he hasn't seen samco in in, in this, this type of form in a long time he said he's he's schooled him and he was absolutely electric what a story if samco won the national i mean i think i'd cry <laughs> without having backed him um, and in fairness he was probably well shorted down royal so maybe stranger things have happened for me i don't think he'd get the trip but it'd be lovely to see him win well Sam Crow 80 to 1 to win the national, and what would be an unbelievable career arc uh, if he manages to do that. Uh, on to the last, the uh, the, the bumper uh, following the, the Grand National at 620. Uh, Rathgal Boy is the 5 to 1 favourite ahead of Henry II at 13 to 2. Uh, Ulam Batoche, is that, have I done that? Is that still good French? I don't think so. Uh, 15 to 2 alongside. Yeah, you, but, you butchered that one, George. I'm I know, it's all right. I had to do it once. No one's yeah. listening anymore anyway. Everyone's gone home. Uh, Ernest Gray, 15 to 2 alongside. Uh, leave of absence, 9 to 1. Look away, 10 to 1. 11 to 1, bar those. And Andy, guessing hopefully uh, you can shed some light on this with your, your speed figures. Yeah, this uh, um, race, now that one of them, um, one of my two sort of long term picks is out, probably leaves the way to, to, to suggest that the one I'm going to go for is, is my nap of the day. Um, I'd, almost, I'd almost go as far to say the nap of the meeting. I, I'm, wow. I'm really, really, really a big fan and very sweet on Ernst Gray, uh, a horse of Alan King's. Um, he, he used to be with Colin Bow, um, and he won a punchestown bumper for Colin Bow. And he won it narrowly, but um, he got the job done. I think um, the Park had three winners that day. Uh, if, if, if I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but that was when he was exploding onto the scene, and he was one of those promising bumper horses. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Johnny. Yeah, obviously the the, the breeding, you know. Tend, tends to highlight his qualities anyway. Uh, you know, we saw what Fasel Vega did at, at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, but I absolutely love this fellow when he won at Warwick. It, it was his first run for 360-odd days. Um, he was relatively strong in the market without being knocked over. I think he went off about a four-to-one shot. There was only seven runners, but they went a proper gallop. I was doing the split sectionals with against the, the two of my hurdlers on, on the same card. And this race was by far and away the, the strongest run. Very rare you get a... a a, a strongly run bumper away from championship level. When you do, i.e. a Fasol Vega, they just hit you between the eyes and they stand out. Straight away, I wrote me notes, champion bumper entry. And I just wanted this horse to be entered. I've read a few um, um, clippings from from Alan King, uh, courtesy of the, of the weekender, actually, in the last two or three weeks. And he's always mentioned that for, uh, this is going to be the target for Ernst Gray. Um, reading between the lines, I think he's very, very keen on him. And I think it's a race that Alan King's done quite well in the past. I can't reel off all these winners of this race before, but I think he's won it twice before. And he, he might have had the second as well with a good one a few years back. So it's a race that um, 
as dear to his heart. But I think this horse will travel for fun. The stronger pace they go, the, be- the better he'll be. And he does stay really well. So if we can get sort of in and around that price that you've quoted with one or two firms, four or five mm. places come Saturday, then I'll be pushing all my chips in with him. Ooh, wow. A reward for those who've stayed longer past the national uh, when entry is cleared. Got through me butchering a uh, horse's name. I'm not going to try and repeat. Uh, and then a nice little Easter egg there from from Andy. Um, hopefully ahead of ahead of Easter weekend. Uh, Johnny, anything for you in the in the bumper in the bumper? I like that phrase. Pushing all my chips in. I can uh, <laughs> bring me back to those poker nights where you're completely bluffing, 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 <laughs> and your heads up, and then you just you know. So that's kind of my feeling there. Because uh, yeah, I, I'd have to go with Andy and have at least a save. Or uh, I do like. Um, Willie Mullins are here, a hot, uh, rat gold boy who won at Leopardstown. Now, being honest, mm. I don't know how strong that form is. It's kind of hard to weigh up, but he's very—he's quite a stouty bred horse, um, and he won a point to point. And I would suggest having a little bet on this horse in running because if you watch the Leopardstown race, he looked in trouble, um, but he absolutely poured it on the straight. It's significant that Willie brings a horse over to this bumper, and um, he, he also runs the horse that was struggling to pronounce. If you remember, uh, that are you going to try, Johnny? Olon Batter. Dishay, maybe. Anyway. I think that's what I said, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so this, this horse was, um, was a strange one at Cheltenham because Willie gave an interview, I think it was on Racing TV, and it was booking down rain. And he basically said, yeah, that could well suit this horse. And I was then just, like, within about two minutes, was smashed in the market, yeah. totally on the base yeah. of the interview, I think. Um, but obviously the race was a complete car crash for him. I think the bit went through his mouth. Couldn't, it was unsteerable. So I, I, I'd say he's probably capable of a lot better. Patrick is probably on the main one here, and I'm definitely going to have a saver on Andy's horse, who, um, as as he said, he did look good at Warwick, and um, it seemed to be progression from his Irish one, which was on heavy ground. So I think this is going to be a very important race, and I'm looking forward to it. Lovely stuff. Uh, Rathgar Boy, 5-1 to one, uh, at the top of the market, and Ernest Gray, 15-2. to two. As we said, early prices, those only hills out at the moment, so could change pretty quickly i think maybe especially after this goes out and uh, people hear andy's bullish views on the alan king horse thank you very much to both andy and for johnny for joining us today and sharing their thoughts on saturday's racing uh, fingers crossed as we touched on at the beginning all the horses come home safe and sound uh, from the national and the rest of the week as well uh, hopefully some winners in there too but ensure you are downloading the odds checker app and you're getting the best prices bookie offers free bets and andy's tips straight to the app every morning before racing not just for the for the festival not just for the weekend but every day's racing when he's not on holiday uh, thank you very much for taking the time to watch or to listen to this subscribe to the odds checker youtube page for plenty more preview content and other bits and bobs racing weekly now of course as well and do you can find these on all podcast platforms as well as ever as is always the case you know hopefully we've given you some good tips and some good pointers but please always do ensure that you are gambling responsibly and enjoy this stellar weekend of sport 